Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is April 9th, 2019. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with Natalia and Natalie, and we are going to chat with you about young adult fantasy today. Good evening, ladies. Hello. Good evening. It is a very peculiar day here in Ann Arbor. It was about 70 degrees, and when I spoke to my grandmother today, she told me that (laughs) we were going to have some snow overnight. Yep, it says a blizzard's coming. Yeah, the blizzard isn't coming to us. I think the blizzard's coming, like, to the Dakotas and to Kansas. Um, oh, but we will we have just, about an yeah, inch we of just snow. Got snow. Yeah. So, you know, it's April, and it's snowing. Well, mm-hmm. we just got sun. It's, like, 90 degrees over here. Uh, that, that's... Went to the beach. Yeah, okay, well, <laughs> that's better than the snow. Some people have all the luck. It's true. But we are true. we are not here to talk about the weather, really, I don't suppose. No. I think we're here to talk about bookities. What about weather wardens, though? Ah, weather wardens. If I read weather wardens, I suppose we could talk about that, but I haven't. Yeah, not young adult fantasy, but so cool. I know, but I, I have not read them yet. I should. You should. So many things I should read. All right. Before we actually dive in here to young adult fantasy, I must say the usual things. You can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. Once you're there, you can like and or follow the page. You can also join our Facebook listener group where you can interact with us as well as with other podcast listeners. If you want to get a hold of us for any reason, um, if you have questions, comments, um, topic suggestions, book recommendations, pretty much anything at all, you can do that via Facebook or you can send us an email. And that address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And someone will, of course, get back to you. So we are shaking things up here at Book Bistro just a little bit because <laughs> Natalia, who you know historically like goes last, is going to go first tonight, and then Natalie will follow her, and yes. I will finish off the round before we start again. So are you ready, Natalia, with your first beautiful book? I am ready, and I have to say that all the books I'm talking about in this episode are just gorgeous. I'm looking at what they're about, and I want to read them again. Cool. And the first series I'm going to talk about, I'm really happy because I haven't actually caught up to the series. And I have three books that I can catch up on. Ooh. And this is great. So this is Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Moss. And let me tell you, you know, before we started recording the podcast today, we were talking about how um, some of us won't read e-books because we prefer audiobooks. Oh, yes. um, Yes. Before Voice Dream was invented, which is an app that will read e-books with natural sounding voices. And I was one of these people. And Throne of Glass was uh, all ebooks, uh, oh. and so I waited so long to read them, even though I was dying to read them. 
They were eventually made into audio and I listened to them. But I couldn't believe I waited so long because they are so awesome. So these books are about a girl named Selena Sardothian. I love the name. Mm-hmm. Just say it again and again. It's so powerful. And she's been serving a year in the salt mines of India for some kind of crime that she committed. We don't really know what it is. But then she's dragged before the crown before her sentence is over. And the prince wants to hire her basically to to sponsor her, I should say, to be his representative at a contest that they're going to have for for the crown to see who will be the next royal assassin officially. And if she wins, she serves four years as a royal assassin, and then she can go on her merry way, sentence served. And so, of course, she says yes to this because this is better than whining, right? And, you know, these contests, they're not supposed to be deadly or anything like that. They just have to serve. uh, They have to compete in different kinds of categories, what their strengths are and things like that. And they get eliminated. So it's not supposed to be deadly. They're not supposed to actually kill each other. It's not supposed to be brutal, except the contestants are ending up dead uh, for no reason. And of course, you know, Selena can't help but be curious. It's getting curiouser and curiouser. So we want to know why these people are ending up dead. And what's going on with Selena and the Prince? We've got to read Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Moss. And I do have to say that what I like is that we think Selena and the Prince. Hmm. But it really isn't as predictable as we think, which is why I love these books. Because you know me, I like everything that's not what we're used to. I have read the first two of these only, um, mostly because I started to read her um, Court of Thorns and Roses series and got really caught up in those and then so I just good. didn't come back to Throne of Glass although I, I really should I read these before Thorns of Roses came out I read the first three um, and the first four I'm on Empire of Storms I need to read it I do I've read the first four so far yeah just like me the first Ooh, so yeah. we all have like books to read in the series then mm-hmm. all right so I have to talk about Girls of Paper and Fire first because I loved this book. So this is the first of a series with the same title, and it's written by a debut author named Natasha Mien. I really hope I'm pronouncing that properly. Um, And I love this book. I already know it'll be in my top 10 reads of the year for sure, though I think it was actually released just before 2019, if I'm remembering correctly. it came out like the end of 2018. Yeah. Um, so this ba- basically this book for me had all the elements that lead to the most perfect, magical, young adult fantasy. And it's re- received a lot of really positive reviews already. And I'm so excited about the sequel because it ends with a really, really huge cliffhanger. So basically, it's set in this really lush Asian-inspired world called Akara. And there is this demon king who is in charge of the entire realm. And he takes eight girls as his concubines every year. And um, these are eight paper girls. So there are three different castes in this world. The paper caste is the lowest caste, and these are 
fully human people that don't have any kind of special animal features or abilities. And then above that is a steel cast, and they're half human, half animal. So they have some kind of special abilities, animalistic abilities um, and features. And then at the top is the class of the royal family, which is the moon cast, and they're fully animal. They can talk and they're upright like humans, but they look like animals for the most part, and they have a lot of crazy powers. Cool. So Leigh is the protagonist, and she's part of the paper cast. Um, and at the start of the book, she's basically still de- dealing with a lot of trauma um, from having lost her mother 10 years earlier when royal guards came and snatched her and took her away. And, and she still, at the start of the book, Leigh as a protagonist, and we as readers have no idea what happened to her mom. And... What happens is that one day the guards return and this time they want Lei and she has garnered a lot of attention from the royal family because she, because of her very strange golden eyes that set her apart from others and no one knows why she has these very strange alluring golden eyes. And so she's taken away to the royal palace and she becomes the ninth paper girl. They already have their eight paper girls for the year Um, and I won't explain why they brought her as the ninth one because then I'll reveal some things that you don't need to know yet and so basically the book is about um, she's being trained along with the other girls to basically be the king's consort Um, and some of the girls are very competitive and view it as an honor but Leigh just can't fathom this idea that she is basically an object in the eyes of the king and huh. and she has, um, you know, all these luxuries living in the palace. But at the end of the day, all, all of these girls are enslaved. And so in the backdrop of all of this, there's this looming war and like people challenging the system and all this crazy, crazy magical intrigue. And there's a forbidden love because Leigh falls in love with one of the paper girls. <gasps> so, so I will I will stop there. But I will say I love this book, not just because I think it's it's a really different approach to YA fantasy. It's not the usual kind of like vampires, werewolves and all of that, that we love, but that we see very often. And obviously because of the representation, there is a female, female romance. And I just thought the book was so well done. And if you like action and really fast paced plots, um, this book will be for you. There aren't any slow parts, which I really like. So this is Girls of Paper and Fire by Natasha Nian. I have a really good friend who read this um, early this year and really, really fell in love with it. So I'm glad to know that you enjoyed it as well. And I will have to move it up on my huge TBR pile. So I thought long and hard about whether or not I should talk about this first trilogy here because... There's a lot of drama around it, and I'm not a fan of drama. Books are fantastic, and we shouldn't like make them places of drama. But this is the Infernal Devices trilogy by Cassandra Clare. And I'm not a huge fan of her more contemporary Shadowhunter books, but this one, which starts out with Clockwork Angel, is set in Victorian London. And 
it is so, so amazing. So this is a prequel to the very popular Mortal Instruments series. And our heroine is a young woman named Tessa Gray. And she is drawn into the world of supernatural London in search of her brother. She doesn't really understand about the supernatural gifts that are around her. Like, you know, in her kind of mundane life, there is no magic. She does not understand that, like, these things are real. But as she gets drawn deeper into this world, she starts to realize that there are a lot of things that exist that are beyond her imaginings. And she starts to fall in love with a boy named Will. But there are a lot of complications, some of which are these really, I think, well thought out, like clockwork creatures. This has a definite like steampunk feel, um, coupled with just some really phenomenal world building. And I give Claire a lot of credit for that. Um, so she is trying to understand like not only all of this magic, but this kind of impending war with these clockwork creatures. Um, along with her love for Will, which is challenged by some feelings that another young man named Jem has for Tessa. So if you are someone who is opposed to love triangles, this is probably not the book for you. Although I will say that I am a, I'm not really a fan of them, but I did love this whole trilogy. Um, and it's Clockwork Angel, followed by Clockwork Prince. And Clockwork Princess finishes up the, the three. And it is a fantastic look at the Shadowhunter world um, outside of, like, the stuff that you've seen in the TV show that the Freeform Network has put out and also in kind of the Mortal Instruments and Dark Artifice series, which are the two that are set in more contemporary times. And these, again, are by Cassandra Clare. Speaking of books that I wish would keep going. I'm going to talk about an author I've mentioned before, but, you know, as I said, she can write many series in first person and you never know it's her because every series is different, which is really, I, I find it to be a great talent. Um, I've read other authors that write different series in first person and while they are different, you know who's writing them. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're Every the same, like they have narrative voice. Right. Yeah. Even though the characters have different personalities. But this lady... Her characters all have different narrative voices, which I think is very cool. Because I don't think I could have a different narrative voice. This is Rachel Vincent, and we're talking about her Soul Screamers books. And I actually read these when I was a young adult myself. So this book is about Kaylee, and she is what they call a banshee. And this is a cool take on a banshee, um, because she doesn't actually see dead people. She knows when someone near her is about to die. And when someone near her is about to die, she's compelled to scream. Oh. And it's a, by a force beyond her control. And she literally just screams bloody murder and she cannot stop. You know, and um, she, you know, she's a regular girl going to school, um, being raised by her aunt and uncle. And she wants to, you know, go on a date with a typical you know, popular guy, but it seems like he knows more about her abilities than she does. So it's kind of strange, right? And then when her classmates start dropping dead for no reason, and it's always around her, she wants to figure out why. 
because, you know, she has to scream every time they're going to die. It's kind of inconvenient. <laughs> so, um, you know, these books are amazing. The first book is called My Soul to Take, Soul Screamers 1 by Rachel Vincent. They're all out, so you're not going to have to be like me and wait for them to come out as I did. And I just really love how creative this is. I mean, I never, I don't think, this is the only series I've ever read about Banshees anyway. Yeah, I don't think there are a lot right. of I don't, them. I don't know of another. Yeah, and and it's just so cool how basically when someone's going to die, she has to scream. She can't help it. Uh, I think that's that's so interesting. And, you know, now people are dro- dropping dead around her. Why? And, of course, since she doesn't know why she has these abilities, of course, she's going to think it's her fault. So I would really recommend that you pick it up. They are wonderful wonderful young adult fantasy they are different which i like um there isn't a love triangle at least not one that i can pinpoint um and i just i just really love these books i can't say i can't even say it enough and shannon will tell you when i was reading them i'm sure i kept talking and talking about them God oh yes knows. yes i need to read them now that i know that they're not yes. ghosty i was no, afraid of them shannon does not like ghosts no no i hate no, them so they're much. not ghosty at all at all well banshees that is a great segue because another series that mentions banshees is Harry Potter, which I know Natalia loves and we all love. And I love books that talk about schools that are way more interesting than the ones we all attended in real life. Right? (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so Harry Potter is the kind of ultimate example of that. Everyone wants to go to Hogwarts. But the next book I'm talking about is Mythos Academy by Jennifer Estep. Oh, I love these. Yes. yes. First book in the series is Touch of Frost. And it is a story of a 17-year-old girl named Gwen Frost who has this crazy magical ability called psychometry. And basically, this means that she can know everything about an object just by touching it. So she can know the last person who was there or whether any kind of crazy deception was happening when this object was being held or used. And so at the start of the book, we find out that Gwen is living with her grandmother and her mother has just passed away. And she feels a lot of personal guilt about the circumstances around this for various reasons you learn about later on. Um, But she is soon after that sent to a special school called Mythos Academy, which is a school for students who descend from ancient warriors like Spartans and Amazon and Valkyries. And basically each of these groups have their own characteristics, like Spartans are super, super fast or no, not a, they're super strong and they never lose a fight. And so they all have their they can special kill anybody qualities. with anything. Exactly. That's what it is. So um, so Gwen's sent to this school. And despite the fact that she has this gift of hers, she's actually really skepti- skeptical about this whole magical thing and has no idea what she's doing there. 
And she feels really inadequate compared to all these other students because she's not a Valkyrie, an Amazon, or a Spartan. And so um, all of these students are taking these fun classes like mythical history, which is not so mythical as it turns out. And they're also being trained to be to become warriors, to basically stop, um, prevent a second chaos war from happening. And the chaos war was this insane war that happened many thousands of years ago when an evil god named Loki basically um, uh, killed a bunch of good gods and goddesses and tried to take over the world. And he's currently imprisoned, but there are these wicked reaper creatures who are trying to bring him back to power and reapers could be anyone they could be your fellow students they could be teachers they could be anyone so you don't know who to trust and so Gwen basically this is a story of her finding out more about her own powers and her role within all of this um, and there's this looming war and all these threats about this you know the potential for another chaos war. And the other backdrop to this is this kind of blooming romance between Gwen and someone. Um, and um, her love interest actually carries his own secrets as well. And so the story kind of is about that as well as they kind of get to know each other while all of this looming war is coming into play as well so I loved this series because number one I found it to be a really quick read it was a really easy read it didn't involve too much crazy world building so if you're looking for something that's just fast-paced but easy to get into I think this is a really great series and then the second thing is again it's it's not a topic you see very often in young adult the whole mythical gods and goddesses isn't done too often I don't think so I really enjoyed it and this is Touch of Frost by Jennifer Estep I really enjoyed Touch I of love Frost author. yeah so let's talk about sisters Yay. sisters who have to kill each other because <laughs> you know that's what sisters want to do right I don't have any sisters so I don't know but, you know, maybe if you have sisters, maybe they want to kill each other. If the twins were here, we could ask. Mm-hmm. So this is the Three Dark Crowns series by Kandari Blake. And the first book is called Three Dark Crowns. It is the story of triplets. Apparently, in every generation, a set of triplets is born. And each of these triplets has a special magical gift. So the triplets that we are focused on, Mirabella is an elementalist. And so she is able to control earth and air and wind and fire. Catherine is a poisoner. So not only does she know a lot about killing people with poisons, but she has built up this amazing immunity to all manner of things that would be poisonous to most people. So you cannot really kill her with poison. And then there's Arsinoe, who is a naturalist. And plants and animals are her very, very special friends. And so she can control the natural environment in a way that most people cannot. 
So these three sisters were separated when they were very young children and each sent to different parts of the kingdom where they were raised and taught everything that they would need to know about their gifts. But now they're 16 and it's time for two of them to die. The one remaining triplet will be crowned queen. And she will remain queen until the next set of triplets is born and reaches the age of 16. And this will all apparently happen again. So these three sisters, they do not know each other. Apparently they lived together when they were really young, but they don't have a lot of memories of this. And so they don't really have much in the way of loyalty to one another. Um, And so to them, like they know that they have to kill each other. This is something that they've grown up dealing with. And you would think like, you know, they don't know each other. Like maybe this isn't as difficult. And for some of them, it's not. But there are those among them who are really struggling with this. And so this is a really, really well plotted. So far, there are three books out. The fourth one is coming out in September of this year. So I've read the first two, the third one is sitting on my iPad, and then the fourth one will be out this fall. But this is a story not only about their magical gifts and how they hone them, but their sort of realization that they are not just sisters, but triplets. And do they really have to kill each other? Like, is there a way around this? And if not... Like, how do you come to terms with the fact that you, as, like, the one person who survives this, like, terrible magical battle, you killed your two sisters in order to gain, like, this this royal power. So it is a really well-done series, I think. You know, we say this a lot about the books we recommend here because we generally talk about books that we love And I I love these so much. I think that each of the sisters is very distinctly drawn. You never get the impression that the characters are just kind of like, you know, cardboard cutouts. They have their distinct strengths and weaknesses. They have their own personalities. And they do kind of leap off the page at you. So I love these so much. Definitely, if you like your young adult fantasy on the darker side, as I do, definitely pick up Three Dark Crowns by Kendari Blake. Sounds really good. The next book I'm going to talk about, I've mentioned this author also, Marissa Meyer, and these are the Lunar Chronicles. I know I've mentioned them in passing, but I've never been able to actually mm-hmm. talk about them in depth. And uh, these <laughs> books cannot be read as standalones, but I think what's really interesting about this series is that it is Every book is a, uh, I was going to say a cinder. Cinder is the title of the first book. But every book is a fairy tale retelling. And these are fairy tales of our childhood. Snow White, uh, Rapunzel, Cinderella. And they have to be read in order. But it's so cool because it's the fairy tale retelling in a fantasy slash science fiction crossover thing. And even though each book focuses on a character and is about um, you know, focus on a fairy tale, it is, you know, one big story arc. So you do have to read them in order, as I said. The first book is called Cinder by Marissa Meyer. And this is about one of Shannon's favorite things, plagues. Ah, plagues Ooh. are great. There's they a plague, are. There's a plague going around called Letimosis, and it's killing people, and there's no cure, and people don't know why. 
but somehow Earth's fate it hinges on one girl. This is a kind of strange part of Earth. It's a country called New Beijing. And, you know, Earth, I don't know if it's like a dystopian fiction hundreds of years in the future, if it's just, you know, science fiction. I really haven't really decided, but there is a hierarchy, a king and queen, prince and princess. So um, maybe it's just fairy tale. So this book is follows Cinder and she's a gifted mechanic in New Beijing and she's hated by her stepmother uh, who blames her for like basically everything that's gone wrong in her life. And she has two stepsisters. And does that sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Except these stepsisters actually love her, but um, her youngest stepsister is ill. She's got the plague and Cinder wants to figure out how to fix it. Uh, and also she's a cyborg. And so her life becomes entwined by coincidence with the prince of the earth, of the whole planet. And, you know, that's a dangerous temptation for both of them because she's going to be in the center of the str- of a struggle between the evil queen of another planet. And she's caught between duty and freedom, loyalty and betrayal. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And I'm going to end this by saying that this is not the fairy tale you remember, but it's definitely the one that you will never forget. Ooh. So this is Cinder, Lunar Chronicles, book one, Marissa Meyer. Read it now. Well, the next book I'm going to talk about is the Iron Fae series by Julie Kagawa. And the first book in this series is called The Iron King. And I had this book on my TBR list for a very long time. And I have no idea why it took me so long to start this series. Because once I started reading it, I was hooked. This is a book where in the world there is this fairy realm. And in this fairy realm, there have always been clashes between the Seelie and Unseelie court. As there often is in the fairy world. Um, And this is how it's always been until all of a sudden this new breed of fae emerges called the Iron Fae and, um, and it's a threat to both courts. And the key to defeating this new threat, this new fairy, dark fairy, is found within this half-human, half-fae girl named Megan, who at the start of the series has no idea that any of this fairy stuff exists. And so at the start of the series, um, Megan is a 17-year-old girl who has never really fit in, and a whole bunch of strange things start to happen very quickly. She has a strange, dark stranger who's watching her from afar, and she has no idea who it is. Her usually very funny, happy-go-lucky prankster best friend named Rob starts being very overprotective of her. And her younger brother mysteriously disappears. And so when all of this unfolds, everything starts to change very quickly. And she finds out that not only is she half fae, but her best friend, Robert, is actually a very powerful fairy from this other realm. And she finds out that her brother 
has been captured and taken to this other realm. And so despite the craziness, she decides to plunge herself into this other world to rescue her little brother. And in the process of doing this, um, she learns about her own past and how she is kind of entangled within this world. And she learns about this new threat called the Iron Fae. Um, and basically what happens at towards the start of the first book is that um, she attends this festival in this other realm where both courts are, are there and they're attacked by this mysterious creature. And the winter court assumes that this attack is um, from is kind of led by the, the summer court when actually it's this new threat. And so the whole series is about this Iron Fae and, and this forbidden love that she develops with the prince of the winter court, who is an enemy to the summer court. And I don't want to get into it. I'm being very vague, and I don't think I explained it very well, but it's because I'm afraid if I say much more, I'm going to reveal a whole bunch of things that I shouldn't. Yes, don't spoil, don't spoil. So I'm stopping. <laughs> I'm stopping even though that was a very kind of vague and clunky explanation of the book. But it's very fast-paced. Um, I loved it, and I highly recommend it. And it's The Iron King by Julie Kagawa. It is on my iPad now. My next pick is the Ark of the Scythe series by Neil Shusterman. And this really intrigued me because I have not read anything like it. And I read a lot of young adult fantasy. So this is set in a world where basically all of your major like, things that could kill you like, can't anymore. Like, you can't die of diseases. You can't die in accidents. Um, you don't die wow. of old age. Ooh. You just cannot he's, die. And he's so if, creative. He is. He's amazing. And if mm -hmm. you die, like, if you, say, you jump off building, then you go to these places that are, like, revival centers, and you just sort of come back to life. Like, you stay in the center for a little bit, and you're alive again. So death is not a thing that most people fear because it's not permanent. It doesn't really affect you. But there are these people in the world called scythes and they pick who is going to die. So a scythe could just like knock on your door one day. You could be like eating dinner and the scythe could come and say, oh, hello, I, I'm coming to, to call you because culling is how they thin the population because if no one ever dies, like the world just gets fuller and fuller and that's no good. So scythes come and, and kill people. And some scythes have a methodology for how they choose who will be killed. And some are very random. And so you never really know. You could just be chosen at any point, like anytime, anywhere. So our main characters are a teenage boy and girl named Rowan and Citra. And they are chosen to be apprentice scythes. Neither of them has any great desire to be a scythe. Like, you don't necessarily want to be the one, like, responsible for ending people's lives. 
but you can't really say no either. Like if you're chosen, you can't say, no, I think I'll pass. So they start training with a very prominent side and they start learning all of the different ways that you can kill people. But then something happens that I will not tell you about. And Rowan and Citra find themselves no longer united. Now they are very fierce competitors. So the first book is called Scythe. The second book is called Thunderhead. Both of these are out. The third book, which is called The Toll, does not come out until November 5th. And I will say, if you don't like cliffhangers, Natalia, um, <laughs> you don't want to read this until November because Thunderhead ended oh, on man. this enormous cliffhanger. Um, and it's like, I hate that it's not coming out until November because... Like, I have no idea oh, where this is Oh, you mean you go. don't have an arc of it? I oh. don't have an arc. I wish I had an arc. No. She is a mere mortal in this instance. She's Publishers. only a mortal when, it, mortal when it comes to Neil Schuster. Yeah. yeah. They, they guard his work. You don't even find him on that if gallery. you're listening, give me an arc of the yeah. tool. Right. But this is, this is so different from, you know, much of the young adult fantasy out there. Um, because there's not magic, you know, in the, the true like sense of what we think of as magic. Like there, there isn't magic, but there are these, these powers that the scythes possess. Um, and this really amazing technology that has just made this rich, immersive world that I loved so much. Um, Citra is one of my favorite heroines in recent fantasy fiction. So I highly recommend the Ark of the Scythe books by Neil Shusterman. Whether you read them now or whether you read them later this year, um, they, they are super fantastic. Man, you know, I've read his Unwind books. Oh, I, I have Unwind here. I haven't read them yet. I'm going to talk about Vampire Academy. Yay! By Rochelle Mead. And actually, that's the title of the first book, Vampire Academy. And this book is about these two friends, Rose and Lissa. And in these books, we've got, it's kind of about vampires, but not really, you know, very unique concept of vampires. Um, so you've got two, three breeds, I guess. Could, should we call them breeds? Is that cruel? Kinds, I guess. Yeah. Classes, three kinds, batches, I don't know. Types, <laughs> ethnicities. <laughs> batches whatever so you've got the moroi who are kind of i guess what you would say that the uh, if if a vampire were alive they're you know they are vampires and um they are you know they need blood to survive but they can be out in the sun and you know they are alive and they have heartbeats and and for all intents and purposes they have souls and then we've got dampire i don't know if it's dampire or dampire Dampier, no, but right? nobody Dampier. ever clarified this for me. And I forgot to ask Rochelle Mead the last time I saw her. And they're basically the product of a moroi and a human mating. Because, you know, the moroi's were dying out and they couldn't just mate with each other forever. And so they make a dampier. Basically, those, they do not need blood to survive. They're basically human, but they have extra strength. And they serve as the guardians to the moroi. And what are they guarding against? Well, they're guarding against the Strigoi. 
The Strigoi is, I guess, what you would consider a real real vampire. You know, they can only go out at night. They're burned by sun, holy water, crosses, all that stuff. And they need blood to survive, but they actually have to kill when they eat. And actually, that's what makes them. They are made by a moroi or dampir killing somebody by draining them of blood. And, or actually... Yeah, that's true what I'm saying. I'm like, wait, wait. Am I Aren't they also right? made oh by gosh. each other? Like, when no. when a Strigoi feeds from you and you die, don't you become one? No, they have to actually feed from you, kill you, and then and then give you blood from their wrist, like the typical vampire lore oh, okay. that we've heard of from ever since Listot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, Rose is a Dampir, Lissa is a Moroi, and they are on the run. Uh, Lissa is a princess from one of the She's the last remaining Dragomir from one of her, uh, from the line, the Dragomir line, which is a royal line. There's a bunch of royal lines in these books and everybody, you know, there is a queen and there is a hierarchy, but each person is part of their own family royal line. Um, and so Lissa is the last person and Rose and her are on the run. And in the beginning of the book, they actually are found and tracked down and they are sent back to school. Because they are not supposed to be running. Now, what are they running from? We don't know. We have to, I guess, read the book and find out. But um, Lissa and Rose have a big secret. A big secret, which is actually part of the reason why they ran away. And that's also something that we have to figure out when we read the book. And it's called Vampire Academy. Rochelle made I know I'm being very vague. It's just that I think of these books as a whole story. And I feel they like are. if I talk... Mm-hmm. If I talk, I'm going to reveal something that doesn't actually happen in the first book. I know. I say that there's a remarkable romance in these books? It is. Mm -hmm. So I was going to say that. The romance in this book is the reason why I reread it um, last year. I reread all of them. It is remarkable. And it is the kind of romance that you would normally scoff at. um, The way that the romance, you know, if if it happened in real life. It could happen in real life because the age gap isn't so huge. Mm-hmm. Right, but it is kind of that, like, forbidden, like, yes. you would frown on it, perhaps. Perhaps. But if you if you read it, you won't frown on it. I'm telling no, you. And you I, I'm, like, so uptight. And I'm, I'm very – I'm not conservative in the books I read at all. I'll read anything. But I'm conservative in my – I guess in my way of being. And, man – I don't know. If this man had been in my school, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So this is Vampire Academy, Rochelle Mead. They are all out. And there's also a marvelous, marvelous spinoff series called Bloodlines. And those are all out also. Yes. And there's so much about these books to love. They talk about, they touch on so many important topics. Um, Friendship, love, loyalty, um, strength, you know, girl power. It's so cool. Yes. A uh, girl yeah. as a main character that doesn't take any crap from anybody. I feel uh, like rereading this now, like I know. all over yes. again. I know. It's been I a long time since. You will enjoy them as you did the first time. It was like I was reading something new. Okay. Well, for my final book, I present to you all today. A very recently released book called Crown of Feathers. And I will attempt to say this author's name correctly. It is Nikki Pau 
Preto or Preto? Do you know, Shannon? I don't know if it's Preto or Preto. It's E-T-O? Yeah. And it could be like either way. It could be. It is a mystery, as is the ending of this book. (laughs) So this is really strange because this is not a normal read for me in some ways because while there are kind of hints of a romance, it's not um, kind of the the main part of the plot yet. Though I think, I could be wrong, I think it might be more so in future. Um, but despite that, I still loved this book. And so this book was released, I think, only in February, like not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I read it as soon as it was released. And it's a story of an elite society of phoenix riders and basically phoenix riders are these magical humans who have these um really deep telepathic connections to animals they're able to speak to them and understand them and feel their emotions um and this is especially true of phoenix And so this tells the story of Veronica and her older sister, Val. So this is another story about sisters. Can you trust them? Can you not? Well, you cannot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so Val and Veronica are orphaned as young children um, due to the war that's happening in their country. And they're raised by their grandmother until their grandmother's untimely death. Um, And so at that point, Val takes over and she takes responsibility of their well-being and their fate. And she has a very domineering, controlling personality. I don't like Val very much, but (laughs) Val's not the best. No. Um, And you kind of see glimpses of her kind of love or care for Veronica. But at the same time, you also see enough there that you start to wonder about her motives and what's whether something is going on here. And so what's important to note is that Phoenix Riders are basically forbidden in this world. They're, it's against the law to be a Phoenix Rider. Um, you, so if you are a Phoenix Rider, you have to live in hiding. Um, if you're suspected to be one, you're taxed or enslaved. So it isn't a good thing. Um, But Veronica and Val have this kind of desperate wish to join this secret enclave of Phoenix Riders that, for whatever reason, they believe is somewhere out there. Um, And at the start of the book, um, they are waiting to see if these two Phoenix eggs they actually manage to find will hatch. Um, and if they do, then hopefully those Phoenix will bond with them and they will become Phoenix Riders and they can go off into the sunset and find their group of Phoenix Riders. I won't tell you what happens, but I will tell you that due to a very significant, horrific, really horrible uh, betrayal, um, on the part of Val, Veronica decides to leave and go find these Phoenix Riders herself. And she learns that in this modern world, 
the Phoenix Riders will only accept you if you're a boy or a man. And so she disguises herself. So there's that kind of common trope you see sometimes of girl dressing up as a boy and hiding their true identity. So that's what happens. She convinces them to take her on. And basically the whole story is about these forbidden Phoenix Riders who are trying to kind of regroup in a world where they're not really allowed to exist. And in the midst of all this, there's also the um, Empire soldiers who are basically tasked with finding these fabled Phoenix Riders and stopping them from um, taking power again. And in their midst is one soldier named Seth, who is secretly also a Phoenix Rider himself, and he's hiding his identity to protect himself. But he needs to decide whether that's really what he wants to do or whether there's something else he would rather do instead. Hmm. So I will end there, but I will say that for me, this book started off kind of slow. I don't know if you felt that way, Shannon. No, this was a total like five star read for me. Well, dove in and well, it was a five star read for me in the end. But so what I would say is there's a there's kind of like a lot of detail about the world building. We've kind of like woven in between each chapter. And I would just suggest that if you're reading this, don't get too lost in the details don't worry about trying to figure it all out it all comes together and when the plot thickens it really thickens and I was so hooked I could not put this book down Um, and it most definitely ends with a huge cliffhanger Um, and I don't know when the next book is coming out but I cannot wait to read it And the story is told from these three points of view. So um, uh, Veronica, Seth, and one other character from the Phoenix Riders. And I have to give a shout out to my favorite character, Sparrow. Yes. (laughs) She is fabulous. I will not say why. But I loved her. And I think anyone else will also love her too. And I actually really hope that she she plays a larger role in the future books because I think she's a really fun character. And that is Crown of Feathers by Nikki Pau Preto or Preto. And it's amazing. It is so good. Speaking of things that won't be out for a while. My next pick is the Bone Season series by Samantha Shannon. And this, there are three books out currently, and it's supposed to be a seven or eight book series, like when it's all done. So the third book came out in 2017. I don't think the fourth one will be out until next year because she spent a couple of years writing this 800-page standalone novel called The Priory of the Orange Tree that just came out this year. So anyway, this is The Bone Season. The first book is called The Bone Season. And it is the story of Paige Mahoney, who is an Irish girl living in England. But it's not the England that we know of. It's a very different England in which Oxford doesn't exist. Oxford was sort of like walled off a while ago and 
transported to another realm. And so it's like basically Oxford isn't there. And it is illegal in this current world to have any kind of what they call unnatural ability. So any kind of telepathy or ability to predict the future, um, to interpret dreams, anything like that is, is illegal. And if you are found to possess any of these abilities, you are shipped off to this other realm where Oxford is. And bad, bad things are waiting for you in Oxford if you have to go there. So you don't want to. So Paige is living as part of this secret society of unnaturals. And they try really hard to stay out of the way of the law. But they don't always manage to do that. And Paige ends up being scooped up toward the beginning of the book and shipped off to Oxford on this secret train that you can't control. And she encounters these creatures called the Refium. And they kind of look like people, but kind of not. And they have to feed off of humans. And they also have a very secret and important job that they expect the unnaturals to accomplish for them. But you don't know right away if this is a good thing or a bad thing. So Paige is not really convinced that she can trust these people. And therefore, you as the reader are also not convinced of this. Um, this is young adult fantasy that is like epic and sweeping and just loaded with rich detail. And you have no idea where the author is taking you, but you are perfectly happy to go along with her on these huge journeys. At least I was. And I am so sad that the fourth book won't be here for a while. Um, the three that are out are The Bone Season, The Mime Order, and The Song Rising. And I love all of them so much. And the author is Samantha Shannon, and she wrote this first book when she was like 23 years old. And she's so, so amazing. Wow. Um, she's just like an incredible human being. Wow. All these books I have to I read. I know. I know. So I many bookities. It. Yep. On all Bookity right. Tuesday. It is. We are recording I on Bookity Tuesday. And Bookity Tuesday is my favorite day of the whole week. And when we get done recording, I'm going to go get a whole bunch of new bookities. I can't wait. I know. <laughs> so that does it for us because I have to go acquire all these new books. And we must all I'm, do that. Yes. And when I'm recording the podcast, I, I can't do that. So I have to go away now so I can. Um, thank you to Natalie and Natalia for chatting with me about so much fabulous young adult fantasy. Thanks, as always, to Christine for the fantastic editing that she does for each of these episodes. And, of course, thanks to all of you who have joined us for Book Bistro. We are testing a new voiceover IP service, so we're hoping for um, a bit of improvement in our overall sound quality. So hopefully you have enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed either this episode or this show as a whole, you can leave us a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. I suppose you can leave us a rating or a review if you don't enjoy it. 
Um, but you know, we, we like to think that, that you love it as much as we love producing these for you. Anyway, I hope you all have a fantastic week. I will be back on Tuesday morning with more new release information. And I think we're all back next week for more bookish fabulousness. So stay tuned if you want to hear all six of us chatting about great bookities. Take care, everybody.